We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, my guy, Kyle Madsen, over at NinersWire.com of the USA Today Sports Media Group and a producer in the afternoon on 95.7 The Game here in the Bay Area. Kyle, what is happening? Not a lot, man. Not feeling great right now. I got a headache. Not feeling too well. I think I'm a little dehydrated. Even though the weather's cooling off, um, you still have to you still have to stay hydrated. So PSA there. I have a fascinating story, though. Because yeah, let's uh, let's preface the story yeah. with with uh, the the news that E forty dropped a new song um, called <laughs> Niner Gang, and it's uh, it's it's one catchy tune. Um, I don't I don't know if I have the uh, if I have the rights the the copyright to to play it on the pod, but Kyle has a uh, has a story that he wants to tell about the song. It's quite a catchy tune. <laughs> I like it. I, it. My favorite thing. My favorite thing about Chris is that Chris, you Chris, is that um you wear Jordans and you listen to hip hop and you know you're you're pretty you're pretty in tune with what with what's going on with the youths. But every once in a while, you turn into a fifty-six-year-old bourbon <laughs> dad, and it's super funny every time. I tweeted hey, out hey. the the link to the song and uh, appropriate appropriately called it a slumper. Oh yeah, dude, because total slumper. because you, like many of our you, listeners, probably I'm a product of uh, the Northern California rap scene, circa um, you know two thousand to two thousand eight. Yeah. Um. So. Hyphen movement. Right. Exactly. Um, the death of Mac Dre happened in senior year in high school, so that was kind of a big thing. Um, obviously, E40 early on in college. Um, my get a report card, tell me when to go, all of those things. Um, you know, just a just a white kid who grew up in suburbia in uh, in the Bay Area, just like uh, a lot of other people. So but anyway, your story on E40. So I'm, so I'm producing the midday show at 95.7, Fonte, Steiny, and Guru, 10 to 2. Check it out um we radio.com app uh 95.7 fm uh <laughs> is that enough plugs anyways um bonte hill 
one of our hosts apparently has a connect with E40. And Matt Steinmetz, one of the other hosts, said Bang Bang Niner Gang one time after a caller said it. So now we have a drop of him saying that, and we, as a joke, started crediting Steiny with saying Bang Bang Niner Gang. Like, he made it up, even though that's a thing people have been saying forever. So... Uh, we, we, they, the, the host get into this argument on air that Steiny's going, I didn't make it up. And Guru, the other host and Bonte are like, yeah, you did. E40 calls our show. Oh, no way. E40 calls the show and he's like, Hey, just drop this song. Bang, bang, Niner gang. I'm going to send it over to you guys. Da, 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 da. And then we talked to him about football for a while, and he thinks the 49ers <laughs> are going to win the Super Bowl, FYI. That's so, really surprising to hear from me, 40. Yeah, so, <laughs> so all of a sudden I get a text from Bonte that's the audio file for that song, and uh, now we play it like once a show coming back from break because it is, in fact, a slumper. <laughs> <laughs> E-40 has a knack for dropping songs um, at the right time when it comes to teams making uh, playoff runs. Like he did yeah. the choice. He did the choices remix a few years ago when the when the yeah. Warriors were making one of their playoff runs. Um, so shout out to E forty. Um, seen him live also, quite a few times. Big fan. Barry legend. One of the lyrics. One of the lyrics in the song is uh, Levi's is starting to feel like candlestick, and I I I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> But I, don't have, but I don't have any comment on that because no, I but, mean, I'm in, we're, we're in hermetically sealed boxes up there. So we really yeah. don't have an idea of what the atmosphere is like. No, but you, but you know, when a place is rocking, like, you know, when there's a buzz in a place. Yeah. And the loudest, the loudest I've ever heard Levi's was during the national championship game uh, last January between Bama and Clemson. Clemson fans but, were wild yeah. in that game. Rightfully so. But I, I'm not ready to throw Levi Stadium in with Candlestick yet because Candlestick just had so many incredible moments. But this game Monday night feels like a chance to create one of those moments. That is a great segue on your part. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, the 49ers play the Seahawks <laughs> on Monday Night Football in what is undoubtedly their biggest game of the season. Probably the biggest game since the Thanksgiving game when the 49ers hosted the Seahawks in 2014 and, and Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson ate Turkey on the 50 yard line. And Jed York issued his apology tweet. And it was really sort of the, the, the time that we all started the timer on, on the, uh, the bomb that ended up being J Jim Harbaugh's final season. And, and, you know, all that stuff that happened behind the scene with Trent Baalke and Jed York, um, so there's, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game and, and it's not often that the biggest game in an NFL week is on Monday night. Most of those Monday night games haven't been particularly good. Um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, the league, the league doesn't schedule the best matchups on Monday night football. Typically that's for the Sunday night games. And, and I guess that would make sense because that's typically when the most eyeballs are, are watching TVs each week, but this week, the best game in the league, I think, is undoubtedly the Niners versus Seahawks, and it's going to be fascinating. Um, what What are your thoughts? Like, what What do you think about just this game? The way you know the Niners are obviously the last undefeated team in the league, and the Seahawks are coming in seven and two. Not they don't nearly have nearly the same level of defense as they have in previous seasons, but Russell Wilson's probably the favorite for the MVP right now, and and uh, it's. The, the Seahawks pose probably the toughest challenge the 49ers have faced this season. Yeah. And that's not, that's not to say that the 49ers haven't, haven't had some big games or won some big games, but you just look at what the Seahawks bring to the table, especially with Russell Wilson. He's certainly going to be the best quarterback they've faced this season and maybe will face all year. Um, and after watching what Kyler Murray was able to do scrambling outside the pocket like there's an adjustment the Niners defense is going to have to make and it's going to be it's going to be interesting a seeing the rivalry back because I, I I don't think rivalries ever really go away but it definitely lost its luster 
but there were a lot of Niner fans last year who were extremely satisfied with beating Seattle at Levi Stadium. I think it was week 16, 15. It was late in the year. It was definitely December. Yeah, late in the year, despite the fact that it hurt their draft stock and and all that. But uh, I think it's still there for for fans and and for players, especially uh, any division matchup is going to be big. But this one feels... I'm a little bit different, but I also think it's going to look a lot different. Like the the prime Niner Seahawks matchups in 2011, 12, I guess 2012, 13, and 14 were like really defensive, hard nosed, um, nasty football games, and I don't think we're going to get that this time around because I just don't think the the Seahawks defense can can stack up like that anymore. Okay, so we're recording this on Thursday night, and because it's a Monday night game, things got pushed back in terms of practice. So the 49ers had their first real practice of the week, real in in terms of having to submit a practice report to the NFL. They had a bonus session on Tuesday, which was more or less a walkthrough. Um, they they didn't go against you know offense and defense. It was it was more about just. Uh, installing the game plan going through some things that they needed to clean up from from the Arizona game but what's notable from Thursday perhaps the most notable thing we learned from the facility today was that George Kittle's status is uh, maybe more uncertain than we initially thought and Kittle after the game in Arizona which was the last time he he spoke publicly he said, you know, he indicated he was really confident in in his chances at playing after suffering that knee and ankle injury on the first play from scrimmage in Arizona when Chandler Jones' helmet banged on his knee and he hyperextended his leg a little bit. Um, Kittle had an MRI on Friday, and Kyle Shanahan said, um, quote, it's something on the knee and ankle. He's got two things in both areas, end quote. Um, so... George Kittle hasn't been in the in in the locker room and and he's generally one of the most accessible players on the team when the media is allowed in the locker room which is for about 45 minutes but we had 45 minutes on Tuesday and we had about 45 minutes in there today um and you just kind of get the feeling that George Kittle's injury status might be significant enough to keep him out of Monday's game. So um I don't want to make any declarative declarative statements about Kittle's status, but uh, Kyle Shanahan said that 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 decision about Kittle playing is not going to come until later in the week, and it could be that decision is made on Sunday. Um, you know, if if I, I think Kittle is probably to the point now where he doesn't have to practice during the week to to play in a game, um, but so you know he he might be listed as questionable or doubtful on Saturday, um, but that the decision whether or not he plays could come Monday about 90 minutes before the game when inactives are announced. So George Kittle obviously is a, is a really important player to what the 49ers do and sort of represents or embodies the versatility that the offense has, right? Like the, the staple of Kyle Shanahan's offense is being able to pass it out of heavy formations, which the 49ers are also really good at running out of because, because George Kittle is such a good blocker. So not having George Kittle could be hugely problematic and could be a reason why things seem so buttoned up this week at 49ers headquarters because um, I, I could totally understand why they would be stressed out about not having George Kittle, who is their most dynamic player on offense. If there's a silver lining or at least good news associated with Kittle's absence, it's that they could be get, it looks like they're going to get Joe Staley back. Kyle Juszczyk going to be back and there's a chance Mike Lynchy comes back. So the 49ers can, can make up for Kittle's blocking perhaps with having their starting tackles back and their fullback back in the lineup, who's, you know, the best in the league at what he does. So you're going to miss Kittle in the passing game, obviously, because he's a 49ers number one pass catcher. He has over 500 yards through eight games, which obviously puts him on pace for his second straight season of over a thousand. Um, before last year, no 49ers tight end had ever had a thousand yards. So Kittle's obviously having a really good season even if his numbers aren't as eye-popping as they were last year when he had nearly 1,400 and set the NFL record. Um, But needless to say, I mean, now it looks like the Emmanuel Sanders trade is even more important uh, just because it gives the 49ers a viable threat through the air. And I think he proved in that Arizona game 
um, that he's already got the trust of Jimmy Garoppolo, which maybe Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis don't have. So, you know, if the 49ers are going to be playing without George Kittle, and again, that's an, that's an if, uh, we don't know yet. He It could be something where, you know, he gets treatment all week and he is healthy enough to play Monday. I, the 49ers are obviously holding out hope that that happens. But if Kittle can't play, you you might be making up for what he offers you as a receiver with Emmanuel Sanders. And then Kyle Juszczyk coming back and getting your starting tackles back makes up for what he offers you in the running game. Yeah, and I think I think the big thing there is is that passing attack. Who does Jimmy Garoppolo look to? And how do they make up for Kittle's production? He's money on third downs. I think they've thrown just one incompletion to him on third down all year. It would be it would be the most significant loss the 49ers have had to overcome yet this year. But I think, like you mentioned, Kyle Juszczyk coming back is huge. Ross Dwelly's been good, uh, although in a in a limited role. I don't think he could completely make up for Kittle's absence, but I think it would allow them to to do a lot of the things that they want to do on offense. I don't think it would completely shut things down, but they would need some of those guys like Debo Samuel, like Dante Pettis to really step up and, and make some plays if they're going to, uh, if they're going to knock off the Seahawks. Yeah. So that's obviously the the biggest story of the week leading up to that game. Um, there, there was some other news coming out of, of Kyle Shanahan's press conference on Thursday. Uh, he, he offered up a little bit of information on Trent Taylor, which we hadn't heard yet. It's been sort of, ambiguous as to what Taylor's status is and Shanahan hasn't really laid it out there but he did offer today that uh, Taylor had an infection in his foot so I guess it was a second setback and it's looking unlikely like he's going to return this season so you and I have talked about Trent Taylor a lot and the fact that Kyle Shanahan said when trailer when Taylor went on injured reserve that he was having the best training camp of any player on offense and, and we know how important Taylor was in 2017 to Jimmy Garoppolo out of the slot uh, when Garoppolo first came over in that trade from New England. So not having Trent Taylor is obviously a pretty big deal, um, but Jalen Hurd could return to practice next week, and he's first eligible to come back off injured reserve for that Baltimore game the second weekend in December. Uh, the question with that is, with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, the, the receiving core is is pretty crowded right now. And you've seen Marquise Goodwin. He had his personal issues uh, that that um, prevented him from playing in the Carolina game. He was a healthy scratch Thursday in Arizona. And I think that was mostly a product of the fact that he hadn't practiced in, in a week before that game, partly because the 49ers didn't have a practice that Tuesday before going to Arizona and playing that game. So when you get Jalen Hurd back, you, you sort of have a logjam. And, and the 49ers might have to release somebody like Kendrick Bourne or Marquise Goodwin to get Taylor on the active roster from injured reserve. So that's something to keep an eye on over the coming weeks. Um, but we, we don't know exactly how that's going to shake out yet because Hurd is going to be week to week essentially going forward here. And once he is given the return designation and his practice window opens, the 49ers have 21 days to add him to the active roster. So that's something to keep keep an eye on after the Seahawks game when the 49ers start preparing for the following game against Arizona at Levi Stadium. One final injury note too. Um, Akella Witherspoon is now dealing with the, with the quadriceps injury. And I actually spoke to Akella Witherspoon a couple weeks ago, and he was super optimistic and excited uh, to to be healthy and you know off of that foot injury he suffered week three and it seems like he's had a setback since then so it doesn't look like he's going to play this week he hasn't practiced yet obviously so it looks like it's going to be Emmanuel Mosley in this game against Seattle and that's important because the Seahawks have you know the the best passing offense the 49ers have faced so far this season so that's obviously really important and uh and so you know, going into this week, there there are some more injury concerns uh, than than we initially thought because there was so much positivity surrounding the team with the return from Staley and McGlinchey and Juszczyk. And and turns out the 49ers could be without George Kittle. They could be without Akella Witherspoon for longer than expected. Trent Taylor might not come back this year. Um, so, you know, there there's a little bit of reality setting in with the 49ers in terms of how significant some of these injuries are. Um, but 
they have a game against the Seahawks. It's going to be the biggest one they've played in some time. And we're going to preview it after we take this quick break. Kyle, I, uh, I wore my new Untuck It shirt that they sent out on Thursday. I think I said this early in the week, but I just want to reiterate because I've watched it since then that uh, it holds up to, to you know, the, the washer and dryer, uh, which, you know, for me, typically, I just wash my button down shirts and then hang them and have to end up ironing them. Um, but my Untuck It shirt, which is made of this like really, what's that? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm just saying, yeah. I was right there. I'm right there with yeah, you. I so, always hang dry you know, my button You always up. hang dry your button ups and, and then you end up ironing them. This Untuck It shirt that I got is this really like sturdy. It's not quite flannel, but it's almost warm like flannel, but it's soft like cotton. Um, just a really great shirt. I really like it. Um, it. You can go all the way buttoned up. Sometimes I like to do that because I think it's kind of a cleaner look than, than you know, the casual one or two unbuttons at the top. Um, just really like my untucked shirt. So for all our listeners out there, the holidays are almost here and you know what that means. It's time for gifts and what better, what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right. Unlike most brands, untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter the size. So he looks casual and sharp. Um, yeah, I don't know about you, Kyle, but like, it's it's not always easy to find button downs that you like. Like you can go to men's warehouse or somewhere and they all kind of look the same. And like, I feel like everybody's owned every single type of shirt for men's warehouse, whether it's plaid or striped or whatever. But the untucked shirts are, are just a little different. They just fit better and they're a little more stylish. Yeah, for, for, someone, for someone like me, I either have to get the shirt way too long where I have to tuck it in or it's really boxy and and looks weird and I, I have to fidget with it but with an untucked shirt like you said you can button it up you can keep it buttoned down either way the length is great and that for a short squatty guy like me is very ideal <laughs> <laughs> with more than 50 plus fit combinations untucked shirts look great on tall short slim and athletic guys of all ages uh, I have really broad shoulders and so like I'm a 46 extra long or whatever in, in jacket size so it's hard for me to find shirts broad. and a lot of the shirts I like are, are typically like I have to go to like Nordstrom Rack and and get the bigger sizes sometimes and like you said sometimes those are way too long but that's not a problem with Untuck It. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle free button down super soft flannels outerwear and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com. Use blue for 20% off at checkout. 20% off is a fantastic savings, guys. So that that's untuckit.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Support for Blue Wire comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's a rhyme, guys. I've already... I, I, I gave the whole story last time. If, if you haven't heard about my first venture into manscaping when I was, when I was younger, uh, go back and check out the last pod. Either way, long story short... You know when <laughs> what we're gonna get we're gonna get a massive influx of downloads from the last pod from that piece. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a tease <laughs> by me. You're welcome. No, but you know when you're guys when you're when you're shaving and you nick your neck or your cheek or or those of us who shave our heads, um, you know how uncomfortable that can be. Now imagine that uh, when you're manscaping and then going out and playing in a baseball tournament all weekend not great anyways that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past and there is not a thing that needed to be a thing of the past more than this don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls by the way that's nasty uh and i feel like we shouldn't have to say that but we're saying it just in case. Like, if you thought that you could do 
Manscaping and then go right to the face. No, two separate razors. And uh, Manscaped.com can help you with that. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Like that's, this is day one stuff, guys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BLUEWIRE. All right, so back to this Seattle Seahawks game, Monday night football at Levi's Stadium. So three things to look at. First, will Jimmy Garoppolo be able to replicate the success that he had in that Thursday night game? I think one of the things to look for over the second half of the season, Kyle, is that the 49ers offense is going to have a different shape. And and I think that's going to be because the defense isn't going to be quite as dominant over the second half of the season as it was through the first. And and that's not necessarily an indictment of the defense or or predicting bad things for them. It's the fact that they have two games against the, the favorite to win MVP in Russell Wilson. They have Aaron Rodgers coming up. They have road games at Baltimore, who recently knocked off the New England Patriots. And they have to go play the New Orleans Saints also on the road. Um, they have a, uh, another game against the Rams who are still in the playoff mix. Um, and, and like I mentioned, the, the, the season finale in Seattle week 17, I just think the fact that the competition is going to be elevated in terms of what the 49ers are going against defensively, uh, I think it's it's going to require the offense to be more explosive. So I think what we saw on Thursday night in Arizona, where Jimmy Garoppolo tossed four touchdown passes, had undoubtedly the best start of his career, particularly with the 49ers. Um, I, I think we're going to see Garoppolo take another step. And I actually asked Kyle Shanahan today about, you know, how much of Garoppolo's injury factored into how conservative Kyle Shanahan was as a play caller and scheme designer uh, based on the fact that you know Garoppolo was early, early in the recovery process, or or his return, I should say, from the ACL injury, and he said, yeah, that's a part of it, but it's also, uh, it was he said it was a part of it, but it was more about the way the defense was playing. But I, but I think just given the fact that, like I said, the the offenses that the Forty ers face are going to be so much better going forward, that they're going to need those type of games from Garoppolo, like he had in Arizona. Obviously, getting Emmanuel Sanders in the mix is going to be huge in terms of, you know, being able to throw the ball downfield, having another reliable target you trust on third down aside from George Kittle. Um, so the 49ers aren't solely relying on the running game to, to make things easy and, and things can open up a little bit more. I'm curious what you think the 49ers offense is going to look like on, on Monday against the Seahawks. I think they try and come out and at least off top establish the run because the Seahawks defense, like you mentioned, I think they're 22nd in, in overall defensive DVOA by football outsiders. They're 21st against the pass and 22nd against the run or vice versa. Either way, they're not very good. And the Niners are going to continue leaning on their run game as long as they can. It allows them to control the ball, keeps the defense rested and off the field and allows them to just, I mean, dominate time of possession. And we've seen them win several games like that this year. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see them lean a little bit more on play action and take some deeper shots against Seattle and try and take advantage of some of their defensive backs. I I, I don't envision Garoppolo dropping back thirty seven or forty times. That's that's not that's not the kind of game I think uh, I think he's going to have. But I think there was there was a step forward taken by Garoppolo against the Cardinals that there was enough of a step forward that we're going to see them rely on him a little bit more. I just don't think it's going to be as often as we saw in Arizona. So obviously the Seahawks don't have the Legion of Boom together anymore. So the, their corners are Trey Flowers. Uh, Shaquille Griffin, safeties, Brad McDougal, and Marquise Blair, a, a rookie second-round pick who was recently inser- inserted into the starting lineup. Um, Jadavian Clowney didn't practice on Thursday, which is which is notable. And 
it's also notable because the Seahawks pass rush hasn't been particularly good. Their, their sack rate, which is just under 4.2% is 29th in the league. Uh, so that bodes well for, for perhaps what the 49ers can do through the air. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo said it today that, that they're really a coverage team first and, and they prioritize coverage. And obviously Pete Carroll with, with his long history as a, as a really good defensive backs coach and defensive coordinator, um, is going to have them playing well. But, I mean, we haven't seen – is going to have the coverage playing well, but we haven't really seen them cover anybody all that well this year. And and one thing, you know, people talk about, well, the 49ers haven't really played anybody. The Seahawks have largely had the same schedule, and there have been six common opponents. Uh, I need to go back and fire my tw- find my tweet that I fired off earlier this week. Uh, let's see. This is really good content. Uh, yeah. So, okay, they've had six common opponents. The Bengals, the Steelers, Tampa Bay, Arizona, the Rams, and Cleveland. Uh, both the 49ers and Seahawks have won all six of those games. So the Niners in those games have a plus 86-point differential, which is over 14 points each week or each game. Um, Seattle in those games has a plus 31-point differential, which is just over five points per game. So a lot of the criticism the 49ers have gotten for not playing anybody or not beating anybody, the same is true for the Seahawks. The difference in the 49ers and Seahawks schedule has been the Seahawks have already played the Saints and Ravens. Both of those games were at home for them, and they dropped both of those. The 49ers obviously go play those teams back-to-back games on the road in early December. So that'll be that'll be a significant test, obviously. Point being, and you know, the, the 49ers last I checked were six and a half point favorites. So this isn't exactly breaking news. But the point being, the 49ers are are a much better team than the Seahawks, or at least they have been um, basically in every metric, with the exception of what the Seahawks have been able to do with the passing game. And and Russell Wilson is obviously, like I said, a, a leading MVP candidate. The Seahawks offense is fourth in the NFL. Uh, they're averaging 8.1 yards per pass attempt, which is fifth. Um, and they have a running game that is still pretty effective. Uh, they're running for 132 yards a game, which is eighth in the league. Uh, 4.3 yards per carry is 13th. Um, and they're and they're dialing up running plays at the sixth highest rate in the league, which is still almost 10% less than the 49ers. But the point being, Gosh. Russell Wilson is going to provide the 49ers a test that they haven't faced yet. And I do think even without Quan Alexander, just the way the 49ers defensive front is playing coming in waves, uh, being able to, you know, rush from all four lanes, like what the 49ers couldn't do before was provide any significant boost off the edge, which would leave DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead without any sort of help on the outside, allowing Russell Wilson to, to spin out of sacks, get outside, extend plays with his legs or, or extend plays and, and find receivers downfield. Um, and I think that's going to be a lot harder with Nick Bosa and D Ford healthy, which is still probably, you know, the way the 49ers have to win this game is, is, is with their defense and, and pressuring Russell Wilson to the point where you're getting him down enforcing incompletions or getting sacks rather than allowing him to extend plays. Because I think, you know, as much as I think we didn't really like DK Metcalf coming out in the draft because he couldn't change directions at all. He's been really good for them. And now they got Josh Gordon who offers a lot of those same qualities and Tyler Lockett is always a pain in the ass for the 49ers to cover. So um, yeah, I think defending Russell Wilson is going to be really difficult, and I'm fascinated to see how it shakes out because I think this is what the 49ers sort of built themselves for in the offseason. Yeah, Russell Wilson's always been super dangerous with guys like Jermaine Curse and Doug Baldwin, but that's not— Danger that's not, Russ, get it? Nice, dude. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what an awful—like, of all time, Twitter pun— or Twitter handles that are meant to yeah. be puns, Danger Russ is is just way up there. I feel like Russell Wilson's the kind of guy who is really proud of it, though. He's like, guys, guys, guys look, might be. look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Have, have you seen that poster? Oh, yeah. It's the best thing. It's the best thing, but also the worst you should, thing? It's the best, worst thing, for sure. You should post that on the internet for everybody to see. Um, 
I've actually written. I wrote when I was at Niners Wire. I uh, I wrote a blog post about that poster. I got amazing. It. I can't wait. Armed and dangerous. Oh, here Go it on. is. Okay, so hold on. Before you get to your takes, yeah, yeah, please. Um, this is really good content. All right, so th- it's Russell Wilson, and he's in camouflage pants and boots, mm-hmm. and a ripped tank top shirt. With the number three on it, he's got eye black and a uh, a camouflage bandana that matches his camouflage cargo pants. The real Rambo. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's so he's holding a a wanted a crumpled wanted Russell Wilson sign, like if he were a criminal. Um, below him, at his feet, is a duffel bag that is called uh, that is labeled Magic Russ's bag of tricks. So that's where he keeps his tricks in that duffel bag. Uh, he has a he, they, they he's surrounded by these boxes that are supposed to look like grenades or like RPGs or weapons of some sort. Um, so one is uh, first down balls, and there's a bunch of footballs in there. Um, the other there's another called red zone specials for whatever those are. There's a fifty yard bombs box. Uh, there's a needle threaders. And there's a uh, a game enders box. All of so them. So that's where, yeah, that's where Russell Wilson keeps keeps all of his um his his weapons. Uh, he has uh, on top of the needle threaders box is a stack of books. Um, the first one is the art of the art of score. Uh, the next one is persevere. The next one is perspective. Yeah. And the next one is purpose. I have all of those. Yeah. So the I'm I'm curious as to which book Russell's going to be reading this week. Um, I think perspective is probably going to be the one he's got his head in the most. Yeah. Just because like you need to win this game to if you're going to win the division if you're Seattle you probably need to win this game. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen this armed and dangerous poster, it is it is truly remarkable and how bad it is it's one of those things where you don't know if it's if it's meant to be so bad that like it's funny or like if it's unintentionally funny or if somebody made this and thought oh man this is cool like this is this is super wicked and it might be that it's like an si for kids type thing which would be totally understandable but anyway back back to your take on russell wilson i just had to bring up the uh, the poster the names of all those boxes that are around him sound like they belong in a read right after manscaped. <laughs> Needle threaders. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> sorry, you really threw me off. I, <laughs> sorry. No, I think, I think because Russell Wilson's always been, always been an effective quarterback and that was with guys like Doug Baldwin and, and Jermaine Curse. And Doug Baldwin is a terrific player. Like, don't get me wrong, but DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are a better receiving duo than he has ever had. And they do so many different, they, between the two of them, do so many different things that make them really tough to guard. And then you add in the wrinkle of Chris Carson, who's just quietly kind of become like a top five running back in the NFL. And the Seahawks offense is really, really good. I think with with Wilson, the the key is he'll turn his back to to the defense if it means getting away from from the pass rush. Like he's not afraid to do that and reset his feet. the The key is to not let him get outside the pocket once he turns around. Because when he can turn around, get outside the pocket, and then resurvey the field, that's when it's over. Like there's there's no defending it because it's impossible to cover receivers for that long. And he has such a good rapport with those guys that it, he turns he he leads the league on this stat I'm making up. He leads the league in turning sacks into long twenty yard plays. Yeah, it's pretty I, remarkable. I, he so I I'm I'm. I'm interested to see what the 49ers do, though, because it looked like against Kyler Murray, they were trying so hard to keep him in the pocket that they just kind of stopped rushing the passer. Like, they were so worried about him scrambling 
that they didn't rush the same way that we've seen the last few weeks or the first, I guess, seven games. So I wonder if and how they change up their approach to Wilson versus their approach to Murray. Yeah, I I also think, you know, with the way the 49ers defense played Thursday in Arizona, I'm kind of feeling like it's just we should throw that game out because it's traveling on a short week against Arizona and the 49ers got up to a big lead. I just don't know that they played with much of an edge in the second half and that's not making any excuses for them. Um, And they obviously do have things to correct from that standpoint, but I think a lot of it came down to just energy level and fatigue and the fact that Arizona was going up tempo. And now you're playing this game against Russell Wilson. Um, There's not going to be any taking Seattle lightly. Like the 49ers know exactly how important this game is, which not that the Arizona game wasn't important, but it's tough to tough to maintain an edge when you're playing a po- an opponent that you know you're far better than and you're doing it on a short week on the road. So with the home fans, with it being a Monday night game at Levi's, with it being the biggest game in that stadium in five years, um, I, I think you know the, the defense is going to play with a different energy. And I think some of those mistakes that they made aren't going to repeat themselves uh, on Monday night. So the last thing to watch, I guess the question we're going to have coming out of this game is, is the rivalry back? Like, do we believe that the Seahawks are good enough? Cause the 49ers obviously eight and no best record in football right now. Do we think the rivalry with the Seahawks and 49ers is going to resurface to what it was in 2011 through you know 2013 2014 Jim Harbaugh's last year when it was without a doubt the best in the NFL um one of the things that I think is really important about that rivalry is the 49ers and Seahawks were equals they were both Super Bowl contenders they obviously appeared in but between those two teams they appeared in three straight Super Bowls yeah. um so you know I I don't know that you know, Russell Wilson is obviously one of the best, if not the best player in the league right now. So you have to throw the Seahawks in consideration uh, for being one of the better teams in the league from that standpoint. The 49ers record is what it is. But I just wonder, like, is the Seahawks defense going to be good enough for 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 everybody to consider them a real Super Bowl contender? Because I don't think it is. And you look at, you know, what the, the games that they've had, they beat the Bengals by one point in the, in the home opener. They beat the Steelers by two points. And when the Steelers lost Ben Roethlisberger at halftime, uh, they lost to the saints with, with Teddy Bridgewater starting. Um, they beat the Cardinals by 17. That was, that was their most decisive win. they beat the Rams by one point after the Rams missed a game winning field goal in the final minute of that one, they beat Cleveland by four points on the road, and we know how the 49ers completely dismantled Cleveland. Baltimore went to Seattle and won by 14 points, 30-16. to 16. Uh, The Seahawks beat the Falcons by just seven, and the Falcons are one of the biggest dumpster fires in the league. And mm-hmm. it took overtime for the Seahawks to beat Tampa last week on their yep. home field. So, you know, the, that- the Seahawks record is great, but they're – they're not winning by a whole lot. Like they're not winning these right. games in convincing fashion. And so you wonder, are they going to be an elite team to, you know, to the same level that they were in t- 2011, 2012, 2013, when the 49ers and Seahawks rivalry was, was really clicking because those teams were two of the best in the league. Are you trying to set up the narrative that if the 49ers win, they still haven't beat anybody? <laughs> that's all i want to do as a media member it is my job to point out that the 49ers haven't beaten anybody that is that is our only goal and it turns out the seahawks also bad so just in case <laughs> uh, just in case they win uh, we want to make sure that that groundwork is laid no i'm joking uh yeah i am too <laughs> the buccaneers game was so fascinating from a seahawks perspective because you're right they the the Seahawks of the past would not have needed overtime to beat that Tampa Bay team 40 to 34, but Russell Wilson just kind of took over that game. Like it was one of those, it was one of those quarterback performances where he was like, Hey, we're not going to lose. Um, 
and it's so hard for for one individual guy to to take over a game like that. But and there are so few quarterbacks in the league who can do it. Uh, but Russell Wilson last Sunday showed that he can. He was he was really really remarkable in that game. So as far as the rivalry goes, I don't know if it will ever reach the fever pitch that that it hit in twenty. 2013 because those three seasons 11 12 and 13 you had Harbaugh versus Pete Carroll and that blood feud that went back to their college days or their days as college coaches I should say you had the the Richard Sherman angle with him uh, really strongly disliking Jim Harbaugh plus being one of the up-and-coming great defensive players in the league, plus being very outspoken about how good he and the Seahawks were. Just he also wasn't out. a big Michael Tra- Michael Crabtree guy. Yeah, it turns it turns out he was not uh, a fan of, <laughs> of old Crabs, but uh, there were so many personalities and so many different things that lined up to just make that an incredible, heated, amazing NFL rivalry that caught fire like in one season the Niners swept the Seahawks in in 2011 you'll remember the Ted Ginn two return game in uh at Candlestick and then uh Jim Harbaugh's first game as coach yes correct and then uh Larry Grant forced a fumble on Tavares Jackson with like a minute and a half left or a minute 15 left Santa Rosa junior junior college stand up yeah and <laughs> sure also an ohio state guy but keep going yeah no oh my god like seriously with the ohio state stuff like, <laughs> the one football, college football playoff ring and you just don't shut up about it anyway <laughs> one tweet <laughs> no uh but but after that after those two niners wins it was a niners win and then the seahawks thumping the niners and then a niners win and then the seahawks thumping the niners again or vice versa i guess in in the following year but I don't think we'll ever get to that again, but these fan bases dislike each other enough and dislike the the teams enough that it's always going to be there for the fans. I don't I don't know if it'll reach that level with the players where it's just like, you know what, it's on site, on the field, off the field, the two teams hate each other. But I think Monday there's going to be a different vibe at a different vibe at Levi Stadium because it is the Seahawks and and I think it's going to be a different vibe than it would be if it was the Rams or Cardinals who are in the Seahawks spot right now. But I think people want it to be that that 2013 level of this rivalry. I don't know if it'll get there, but it's going to be close. That NFC title game at the end of the 2013 season with that obviously resulted in um Richard Sherman making that tip on the pass to Crabtree. I know a lot of people have said this, so this isn't like a um, unique thought, but just like one of the most incredible games ever. Um, And obviously it didn't go the way the 49ers were hoping, but so much drama in that game. So many big plays, an awesome Frank Gore game in the second half. Colin Kaepernick's throw to Anquan Bolden for that touchdown where he was like off the wrong foot was an incredible play. Um Vernon Davis just getting destroyed by Cam Chancellor over and over again. Uh, just so many things happened in that game. Alden Smith having the the sack and I think a for, forced a fumble early on. Uh, Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman doing their thing sideline to sideline. It was just, uh, I mean, Marshawn Lynch was was still on the team, right? Oh yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. Uh, um. He had a big fumble in that game, I think, at the at the goal line after Navarro Bowman got hurt. Right, the Navarro Bowman injury, which he he should have been credited for a, a forced fumble and fumble recovery on on that play. He was Jermaine Curse, um, I think it was. Yeah, just a uh, just an incredible game, and and you could tell just talking to to the coaches and people in the locker room after the fact, like that was a game that everybody who participated in it we'll never forget, um, which is really cool. And like I said, like part of what made the rivalry so awesome was the fact that both teams were so good and yeah. they were playing at such a high level, both of them in that 20, in those 2013 playoffs. Um, you remember, and, and I don't mean to pick at a sore spot here, but like if Ahmad Brooks isn't flagged for that nah. sack on Drew Brees, 
yeah. earlier in the Saints game. The 49ers get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So that game is that NFC title game theoretically could have been the last game ever played at Candlestick Park, um, which would have been totally insane. And instead, the 49ers had to go on the road to beat Carolina. They won or they won in Green Bay, first of all, yeah. which is another incredible game. Um, then they go to Carolina, win that game. Colin Kaepernick beats Cam Newton. And it was just like those playoffs were incredible. That was a uh, that was a wild time to be covering the team. That was my first year on the beat. And I was this little mid-20s kid who was completely over his skis and just like couldn't believe all this incredible football that was going on. So, yeah, that was uh, those are fun times. I'm really hoping this this does kick back up this rivalry because rivalries are fun. They make everything a little bit more fun. Even, even if, uh, you know, coaches, I know Pete Carroll said it today that like, he doesn't believe in rivalries because every week is a championship opportunity. Oh, fart. <laughs> Which I don't believe for a second. I think Pete thoroughly enjoyed beating Jim Harbaugh more than anybody else, but he just wouldn't say it publicly. But, uh, anyway, it's going to be a fun game on Monday. I'm looking forward to it. I think the 49ers are going to win. Um, even without George Kittle, if he doesn't play, I, I do think they can make up for what he does in creative ways. And I do think the silver lining to him would, would be that you could create schematic advantages by doing things that aren't on film. And, and I've talked about that a lot in the past. It's just like the idea of being unscouted is super valuable. So if you don't have the most important player on your offense, who's missed just one game the last three years, maybe you can do some things that opposing coaches haven't seen before. So anyway, with that, uh, we are going to wrap this thing up. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys the game on Monday. Please be safe. Um, it's going to be a fun one. Responsible. It's going to be a good one. Uh, wear an Untucket shirt. I, uh, I, I can't recommend Untucket enough. I've been enjoying mine. Kyle's been enjoying his since, uh, since we got that nice little shipment from them. So shout out to, to Untucket. Go buy a shirt. And thanks for, thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.